0: When you hear the word burnout, what do you think about? Physical exhaustion? Mental fog? Maybe just straight-up apathy? As a business owner, you're probably just used to pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and powering through. We've all heard the saying, when the going gets tough, the tough get going, right? But how long can you keep this up before you hit a breaking point? Before it affects your personal health, your business, your family, and your team? From the Ramsey Network, this is the Entree Leadership Podcast where we help business leaders grow themselves, their teams, and their profits. I'm your host, George Camel, and in today's episode, we've got two interviews on the business driver of personal around this topic of burnout. In our first interview, I sat down with Dr. John Deloney. John is a leading voice on relationships and emotional wellness, and he's one of our Ramsey personalities and hosts the Dr. John Deloney Show. Then, in our second interview, we've got Ramsey leader Luke Lefevre on how to avoid burnout from a personal experience of his. Up first, we've got our conversation with John. We talked about burnout, what it is, what it's not, and how to know if it's happening to you. Now, burnout has become a word that people throw around a lot these days, but what does it actually mean?
1: We hear it like I'm burnt out on Chick-fil-A, I'm burnt out on whatever It's kind of become this catch-all for I don't want to do that anymore or I don't like that anymore, right? At the end of the day, burnout is when your body says, enough, I'm out, right? So burnout can be that deep exhaustion, not when you're tired, but when you're just exhausted, right? When you're absolutely just fried or when you have that feeling that nothing's helping, right? There's no amount of work that you're doing is going to get you out of the situation that you're in. Or when you're treading water as hard as you can, when you're fighting as hard as you can, you're trying to run as hard as you can, your body eventually just says, dude, I'm out, right? So think of it as your body saying, I don't care how hard, how tough, or how would have snap into a Slim gym, bro, <laughs> I'm out.
0: I'm there's done. no no amount of pull yourself up by the bootstraps. It's it's beyond just an exhaustion. Yeah, it's not it, just I'm tired at the end of the day yeah. and I don't have brain power. So there's this,
1: I mean, it's a, was a. I'd call it a shapeshifter book for me. It's a, it's a book by the Nagoski sisters and called Burnout, and it was written for professional women. Um, I got a lot out of it. it. It's a marvelous book, and here's why. I've always known emotions to be signals. Right, so somebody comes in, you get pissed off, you get angry, you get frustrated. Right, you and I our offices are right next to each other. I'm real messy, you're very neat, and so you walk office in. Offices
0: are generous; they're just desks. <laughs> our our cubicles <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> and our work, what they call it? Workstations. workstations. There makes it is. me feel like we're on a on a spaceship or something. Like go back to your workstation. That's probably an overstatement, but it is. And you come by, I see it. You have to inhale, like. It's hard for you to walk by my station because it's a wreck. It's it's embarrassing. I'm
0: pretty OCD, pretty clean, and you are mad scientist.
1: I'm not that, right? Um, So your emotions are a signal, right? That guy needs to clean that up. That's driving me crazy. That's out of order, right? And I always know about the trauma response and how that kicks off a cascade of chemicals. The Nagoski sisters, they pointed back to that emotional – that emotion, right? That signal, that gong that says, hey, you need to get connected again. You – Something matters to you, you're frustrated, you're angry, whatever. That is a cascade of chemicals that your body kicks off. It dumps you into fight. It dumps you into flight. If you can't go anywhere, it dumps you into freeze. And you got to let that cycle run its course or all that cortisol and adrenaline, all that stuff stays trapped in your body for days and days and days, right? And it begins to poison you from the inside out. Think about uh, trying to clean your pipes with Drano, you pour them down your pipes. You know, I know you're a I've done big it. plumber guy, I've right? done it. Have you? Yeah,
0: once or twice. Have you?
1: Okay. So you pour Drano in your pipes and it can clean it out, right? If you just every morning got up and dumped Drano down there and every night dumped Drano down there, in short order, it would burn a hole through those pipes. That's what happens to our bodies, man, if we don't cycle this stuff through. And we just sit on it and sit on it sit on it and that's burnout, man. Our bodies just say, hey, we're out. You clearly don't know what you're doing. You can't drive this thing. We're put into neutral and we're going to pull over.
0: Mm. So what causes people to get to that point? Are there certain things, you know, as a business owner that, hey, if you get into these kinds of patterns, you're probably well on your way to burnout?
1: Hmm.
0: I think, I think it's not honoring that
1: that cycle. It's not honoring that system. It's thinking that you know more than your body does. It's thinking I can push beyond limits. There is no, um, I'm not tethered to reality when it comes to how little sleep I can get, what kind of foods I'm putting in my body, how much I think I can do, how much I think I can earn and accomplish and achieve without coming back to earth, man, without restu- without <laughs> without paying the piper on the other side of that teeter totter, right? So. You can have seasons where you can run really hard, but if that becomes your life, if you try to live life with, I'm just going to be on 24-7, 365, I'm going to deal with my kids when I get to my kids. My wife, she'll figure it out. My husband, you know, he's going to be there no matter what. Man, there's going to be a price to pay.
0: And it reminds me of your talk that you did on Trey Leadership Summit where you were talking about bricks and stories. And the bricks in our backpack. And it feels like that kind of stuff, as we carry it around, can lead us to that burnout. So unpack what do you mean by bricks in the backpack. So,
1: man, you know what, George? I'm putting this together in real time here. It's an Entree exclusive. I'm watching it happen live, folks. <laughs> yeah, you're watching There's a smoke start coming out of my ears here. <laughs> um, Man, so stay with me on this. So, You had these stories you carry around. A lot of them are imprinted when you're a kid, right? That coach told you, hey, you can't do this. You suck at this. Or you were abused. Or your mom, when she got mad, she just quit talking to you. And you're a seven-year-old wondering, what is so unlovable about me that my mom won't even talk to me, right? Or your dad would grab your shirt and scream at you. In this house, we don't miss free throws. You know what I mean? Whatever the thing was, the stories that you were born into. Or you wore the wrong color in the wrong neighborhood. Or you didn't. Have the right shoes in the right school or whatever the thing was, right? These stories become your biology, right? They set off alarms in your body to say, "Hey, you're not welcome here. You're not safe here. You're not smart enough to be here." And dude, we carry that stuff with us our whole life. And so the analogy that I like to use is those stories become bricks that you just carry around, and most of us don't even know we're carrying them. I the the story I told at at Entree Summit was, man, <laughs> in first place. For going for a ten-year sweep in the district track meet, my high school, my senior year in high school, I was anchoring the mile relay, and I dropped the baton. I've never even seen a mile relay baton dropped. It's a slow handoff, man. We're looking at each other. I'm cheering him on, and I dropped it, and we lost the meet by one point. We lost winning a decade sweep by one point. I didn't realize that here I am, twenty, thirty years later, and whenever it says, "All right, Deloney, you're the last one to go." I instantly think, I probably I don't, I don't want to go last. That's still in there, man. Mm. It's so cheesy and ridiculous. I make good money. I got a cool job. It's still in there, right? So these bricks we carry all the time, that sets us up for what am I trying to do every day to achieve, to solve, to numb those stories that are just rotate that are spinning, 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 right? That are always mm. going. And so those bricks that we carry on all day, every day. The, that contributes to this stress cycle that we set off. That contributes to, hey, I got to deal with this employee. Oh, man, it's probably your fault. It's probably your fault, so I'm not going to fire him. I'm just going to let this cancer just stay here in my organization. Or you're such a wimp, dude. I'm going to go in there screaming and yelling, and everyone's like, whoa, back it down, right? It in stress response just goes and goes and goes. I never deal with it. Boom, I'm burnt out.
0: Yeah. I mean a lot of business is making decisions. And if you're making decisions based on that biology and on based stories, on those breaks right? and stories, that's gonna affect your life. Yeah. And you're gonna be striving for this thing over here, and it's gonna be hard to make it all match up.
1: Hey, and this is important too. You may have had parents who told you, you're the smartest thing that ever lived. You may have had a third grade teacher's like, You're a genius. And you may now look up 20, 30 years later, you're running a business, and you are the smartest person alive, right? And anybody who challenges you or says, I don't think that's the right idea. What if we did it like this? Fired. You're an idiot, right? Those stories can over-sensationalize as well as under-sensationalize too, right? But the the thing here is there's always a physiological toll. Your body, to quote Bessel van der Kolk, your body is always keeping the score. It remembers whether you do or not. It's always getting the environment for someone else is going to hurt you, someone else who's going to affirm what you think about you, up or down, it's constantly spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. And so you can pretend that's not happening, but it does, man. And so our knees hurt, our back hurts, we have headaches. All that stuff is happening. And then all of a sudden one day we're like, you know what? I don't care anymore. I don't care. And that's that's the Nagasi the sisters. They walk through the three, the three you know, um, what would you call them? The three stages of burnout. It's that exhaustion that I cannot get up, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of us felt that, like, you know. Midway through COVID, like, dude, I cannot look at my children. I, I, I don't I, – eat whatever, I don't care, right? You want to go out in the yard and eat gra- – knock your lights <laughs> out, I don't care. Hey, I got eight cases of Twinkies, eat them all today, I don't care, right? Yeah. That, that's that, that's number two, it's that depersonalization. Normally I'm a caring, connected person,
0: I don't care There's just an apathy I, towards life.
1: I don't care. And that's the number three is that deep sense of futility. Nothing I do matters, man. It doesn't matter what's happening right now. When those three things happen – you're not yourself. You're disconnected, man. You just think everything I do, it doesn't matter. I'm always going to have a boss like this. I'm never going to be able to satisfy that customer. I'm never going to get on top of my stuff. That's that's the alarm sounding that you're burnt out.
0: Mm. So I want to talk about prevention and recovery. Let's start with the recovery. Let's say the business leader is <laughs> I listening. I love how
1: you're using uh, addiction language. <laughs> yes. yeah, hey, you're right on, though, I'm man. i spot that's, on. That's perfect. You've yeah. taught me well. Uh, so for, there, for the, the
0: business leader listening who's going – Oh my gosh, John's reading my mail, and I think I'm in that stage, Mm -hmm. or I'm trying to come out of that burnout. What are the steps that leaders can take to start to walk out of that?
1: So, think about the way our bodies are designed to deal with stress. We really got three triggers we got fighting, we got running, we've got freezing. Right, So the first two choices are our best option. Right, I'm going to get out of here. There's a bear at the front of the cave. I'm going to get out of here. The second one is, hey, dude, I can't get out of this cave. Grab a stick. It's me versus the bear. It's probably going to end well for you, but if you're a, a gangster fighter like you, George, you're you going to come me. out on top. You know That's me right. well.
0: So many fights That's I right. get
1: into. The third option, which is the worst of the three, but it's the best you got, is body goes into neutral. We're frozen. That's where your body says, you know what? That bear's going to come over and gnaw on a leg. He's gonna take it with him, but we're gonna we're gonna get to tomorrow, right? That's the goal, and so that's what depression, right? That's when your body just says, "Hey, shove all that crap down. We're out. We're gonna check out. We're gonna get beat up. We're gonna, but we're gonna survive," right? So think about when you show up at the office and that idiot employee shows up. You can't fire him because I don't know
0: why you pointed to me when you said "idiot." Uh, it employee. was an accident. Okay. It was
1: a little bit Freudian. I, I kind of, my hand just went to you, like one of those those watering sticks or whatever. Um, so. You can't fire him because we're just printing money and handing out checks, and so there's not a lot of people in line for this job, right? See what I did there? Yeah. That was like my little subtle political dig. I'm trying to get better at those. <laughs> um, so you can't just fire him or you don't want to deal with it. And it sounds cool at an Entree. Like, you just fire him. Yeah, firing's hard, man. I've had to fire a lot. I, I don't like it. So I'm going to avoid it. So boom, my body goes into fighting or fleeing and what are our options these days? I can't go hit him, right? He's going to call HR on me. And if you're a small business, HR is me, right? I'm going to go to jail. Um, I can't just run away from him forever. And so what do I do? Here's what I do, George. I open up my laptop and I write him up. <laughs> or like, I'll send a mean email. And then after I send my, ha, <laughs> showed you email, then I'm going to text my wife about how tough I am. Dude, that all of that stuff is still coursing through my body. It's not solved at all, right? This is what I get really annoyed by. There is an entire, I'm just going to make up a number because it's going to help my cause here, an $80 trillion industry. Sounds about right. (laughs) Give or take ish uh, self care industry. You know what you need when you're burnt out? A candle and a warm bath. It's it's going to bring you back. You know what you need? You need to ride a horse. Actually, that could actually help. So I take that one back. <laughs> but like, it's this whole—you know—you need. You just need uh, some—I don't know—some lavender essential oil under your under your eyelids, or I don't know where you. That put could that. work too. Listen, entree leaders, don't put essential oils <laughs> under your eyelids. That's probably going to burn your eyeballs out. I don't it's know. Real painful. But there's this idea that you can just you know deal with the surface level nonsense, and you're going to get to it. So to circle all the way back and answer your full question. By the way, if you're wondering. <laughs> Did me and George get any work done in the office?
0: What a journey we've very, taken very, just with this <laughs> one question. Very, very
1: little. So here's what you got to do. Um, and this is, again, straight from that book. It's straight from – this is this is a research-backed. So this isn't just me making this stuff up. You first got to address the meaning of what you're doing here, right? So if you're a plumber trying to change like, – I want to change the face of plumbing in America, right? Or I am a HVAC person in Texas. I want to change the face of HVAC in Texas. Well, you know what? Their power grid doesn't work super great right now. And so you're probably not going to do that. And every day if you're going to work trying to change the face of HVAC in Texas, you're going to get burned out because you're going to realize, dude, I'm treading water. I'm going nowhere. So sit back and ask yourself, why am I doing this? And you may have to readjust your meaning, which may be I want to make sure that every person that reaches out to me and says, hey, I need help. They're going to feel honored and dignified, and they're going to get their needs taken care of. You can do that, right? So sometimes it's rescaling down or rescaling up what your mission is, what making meaning of what you're doing. And then, dude, nobody likes this, especially in the Western world, but you got to move your body. You've got to discharge this stuff. That's why all the research circling back now is saying, man, you want to start addressing anxiety? You want to start addressing depression? You want to start… Exercise, dude. Go move. You've got to move. Then you've got to be in relationships. You've got to have skin-to-skin contact. You've got to sleep, George. Sleep. Entree leaders. Listen, I'm pointing at a camera, and I know most of you are listening to this. You have to sleep. You've got to sleep. It's a reset. It's a control-all-delete for your brain, right? Um, You've got to breathe, be creative, be grateful, live a life of gratitude. There's all these things that sound all woo-woo and cheesy, and I'm thinking right now, there's some dude in Kentucky driving his plumbing truck. And he's going to pick up some – one of his idiot co-workers screwed something up, and he's going to fix it. And he's thinking, did he just say be creative and gratitude? What are you talking about, dude? He's like covered in, I don't know, like uh, that PVC, that purple stuff on the connects PVC pipe. I love for, the visual here. Yeah, exactly. I know this guy. Uh, of course we do. And he's saying, what? I got to be grateful? Yes, you do. I don't have time to go to sleep. You have to, right? So there's some very basic things you got to do to take care of your body. And then your body goes this, George. It's amazing. It'll say – oh, cool, we're back in control. I'm going to shut off the spigot, man. I'm going to quit pulsing all these chemicals through our body. We're good, and we'll get up and start again tomorrow. Mm
0: -hmm. All of that reminds me of your hosing off the boots analogy. When I first heard this, I had no context because I've never (laughs) had to hose off boots. I realized that was a very Texas analogy. Very Texas, (laughs) but I love the heart behind it. So share with the listeners what you mean by hosing off the boots.
1: Uh this is a this is a PG podcast, so I'll go – if you're out shoveling crap all day, you can't take those same boots that you were out working with and walk through your living room. It's disrespectful to your home, to your kids, to your spouse. Like you got to leave your boots outside, and you got to hose them off because you got to go back out to work the next day. The analogy is, dude, you've got to have a process. If you're a hardworking, exhausted, small business owner, you're trying to deal with these yo-yo uh, like – County regulations and state regulations, and people are upset, and you're just trying to help people out. The power grid's going out, our pets' heads are falling off, all of that. Man, you've got to have a process every day to say, workday's over. I'm hosing these boots off. I'm not gonna drag this crap into my house. So my kids have to deal with it. So my wife has to deal with it. So my husband's got to deal with it. I'm gonna clean it off. And that goes back to that process that we talked about, man. That is, did I accomplish today what I needed to accomplish? What are the things that could control? Did I do those things? Well, did, I, did I accomplish making meaning today? Do I have an exercise program? Am I going to reach out to some friends? Am I going to talk to people? Am I going to hug my wife for 20 seconds without stopping? It's doing those things that you know help you be well. So you can get up and then go be the dad or mom or husband or kid, whatever you need to be, and then get back out
0: there tomorrow and go get them again. Mm. Well, as you're talking about this, it almost sounds like the recovery advice is the same as the prevention advice.
1: Here's the thing. Exactly. Genius. You don't even need to go to grad school, man. You figured it out. (laughs) The prescription for all this stuff is to create a life with with enough margin to handle the crazy days. To have friends in your life because they are, you know, they're the to use Dave's word, they're the emergency fund for your life. There's going to be seasons when you can't handle it all, right? You've got to have other people in your life. And this myth that I can do it all myself, you you can't. I promise. I promise, dude. Uh, my dad was a SWAT guy and a hostage negotiator in, H- in Houston, Texas. <laughs> the joke I use around here is I grew up in the place where they process the leather, and then I spent 20 years in Lubbock, Texas. That's where they grow the cows to make the leather. So I've seen it end to end of this imaginary bootstraps I'm supposed to pull myself up by. Dude, it's a myth. It's not real. It can't happen. One thing is going to happen you're going to crash. And you're going to take people with you, you're going to collapse your business, you're going to burn out, you're going to drive everyone around you crazy, and you're getting up all by yourself, man. And so, yes, the prevention here is create a life that you want to live. Choose to make less money so that you have more joy and happiness in your life. Make that decision, man. Drive a 10-year-older truck. It's still going to get you from point A to point B. But if that keeps you from having to redline everything in your life where you don't have time to be around people – to to, dry, uh, to to exercise your body, to read books, to be around people, have a faith community, then, do drive the older truck for crying out loud. You know what I mean? Yeah. Take one less job, right? So, yes, you're exactly right.
0: And you're talking about being in a community, having good friendships. Is that the place where a leader can kind of vent? When you're feeling like you're heading towards this burnout, you're feeling like you're in this stage, who's the right person to go to?
1: Dude, there's some – really fascinating research on venting and anger. It's really shifted the way we think about we being mental health nerds about how to, quote unquote, express your anger. Think of it as, don't think of it as, it's a groove in your brain. And if you're angry, it used to be, hey, you need to get that anger out, right? You need to go vent, get that out of there. Now what we've realized is we're just digging that groove deeper we are making it more likely that's going to become a default for us. So if you feel like, I just got to vent it, write it down. Write it down. Write down the things that you're frustrated with, write down what you're feeling, and then write down things you're grateful for. Do it all at the same time, right? Find a mentor to say, hey, am I thinking about this the right way? Or here's some things I'm working through right now. But if you go to somebody just to be like, yeah, man, you're going to lose. They're not going to want to hang out with you anymore. And you're going to – it's a wrong approach. But, yes, you've got to find people you can say – I'm struggling with this, somebody who's ahead of you in business, somebody who's got something just like you, something who's coming up, right? So you've got – you're a part of that whole cycle. But you got to have people that you can say, dude, I'm over my head right now. Give me some wisdom and perspective on this.
0: Well, I want to do a little lightning round here if you're okay with it. I want to walk you through some different scenarios that yep. might connect with the, the business leaders listening. And they may go, yep, that one's me, 100%. <laughs> and you're just going to quickly tell us what to do if we're that person. Can, Sound I be, good? can I be real direct? Yes. As direct as you can be, just don't scare me. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's say you're the owner who feels like it all depends on you to solve the problems. They don't believe that they can ask their team for help and the weight is more than they can carry.
1: <laughs> you're a bad leader. You probably shouldn't be leading. If you've hired people that you don't trust to ask input on, then you've hired wrong people. Fire them all and hire new people, right? If you think you can do this all by yourself, you're fooling yourself. This whole thing ends in ash. That's the truth.
0: That was pretty direct. You weren't lying. Okay. Uh, How about this one? The person whose successes and failures define their identity as a business owner, and since the business is their baby— If something fails, they equate themselves to being a failure. Mm, Man, that's the stories
1: you tell yourself, right? Somewhere along the way, somebody told you your value is in your output or your value is in success. And so Jocko says it best. You got to detach, right? You are not your wins and you're not your failures. You are the relationships you had on the way. You are how hard you worked. You are did you cheat, lie, or steal Like the character you were on that journey? But, dude, the outcome is the outcome. You take care of the process, man. The outcome happens. You can, Kevin Durant can practice all day long. Sometimes the ball don't go in. He shot it right. He had good form. He jumped, high. did everything right. Didn't balling go in, right? It doesn't mean he's a failure and a loser. He may have lost that game. He's still going to go to the Hall of Fame, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, this one sounds like me. This sounds like the people pleaser. Yes. Um, I like, hey,
1: one of my favorite things is when you do interviews, you sneak in personal you sneak, questions. Yeah, I need this it's for me, John. So great. What do you do when uh, your breath doesn't smell good and you're at a work event?
0: This is so good. This is This is me, John. Uh, The person who says yes to the customer at the expense of saying no to themselves, and they feel like they can't let their customer down, so it keeps them from doing anything for themselves.
1: Again, that goes back to a story that somebody told you that you are responsible for taking care of everybody else, and you don't have enough value to take care of. Right? You're not worth taking care of. And what happens is you can do that in the short term. You can put other people's needs ahead of your own. That's an airplane that has no gas and it'll crash, right? So you have to choose to take care of you
0: so that you can better take care of your customers. Well, you mean the airplane advice is put the mask on Everyone else first Correct. and then yourself
1: last, That's exactly right? right? That's actually the way to make sure everybody dies, right? Because your kid is going to start fussing around and moving. Your customer is going to have, I wanted it like this. And you're like, I'm real sure, ma'am, because I recorded it. It looks like this. Oh, I want to change it like this. Sir, I promise. I mean, you signed it. I don't care what I signed. I want it like this. Now you're about dead, right? You got to get a good night's sleep. You got to make sure you're taking being a good steward of your body, taking care of your relationships. And then when whatever crap comes your way – You've got margin and strength and clear mind,
0: clear-headedness. You can handle that, man. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. If you're trying to help everyone else to the point that you get burnt out, well, then you can't help anyone you help nobody, at any level. Right? And
1: again, somewhere along the way, that, that's a common story that we're told. Your job is to make sure I'm okay. It's when parents say things like, you know you really made daddy mad or you made me do this or, honey, if you wouldn't have said that, I wouldn't have got so mad I'm telling my six-year-old that she's responsible for the emotional intelligence of her grown-up adult parents. That's too much for a six-year-old to carry. And then she takes that into her business world or he takes it into his small business that he owns. And he believes it's his job to make sure every person around them is taken care of before they are. And, man, you cannot do that.
0: That's a recipe for some serious resentment. It's going to end up up in ashes. That's right. So, George, take care of yourself, man. That one was for me. Thank you, John. All right. This one's for someone else
1: Uh, for (laughs) for the person that's code uh, podcasters to this one's about
0: him. too. This one's not me. Go ahead. Uh, Someone who's maybe they're faced with the uh, reality they don't like. And the mindset typically falls into acceptance. They don't believe uh, what they're not changing. They are choosing summed up. Maybe a a leader's burning out. They've lost the belief. They have any control in their life. Yeah. That's,
1: you got to reach out and talk to somebody, right? If you're looking around and realize everything around you feels futile, like that you're just treading water, never going to get anywhere, slow down and back out and talk to somebody. That's a recipe that you're, I mean, that you're getting hyper anxious, right? You're you are depressing. You are doing your body's starting to take over, right? When everything feels caustic, one of the things our brains do, do George, whenever we experience real fear. Think about this, like you're almost in a in a wreck once, right? Or maybe you were in a wreck. Somebody peeled off in front of you, sideswiped you. For the rest of your life, there's a part of your brain that is on alert all times when you're in the car for a sideswipe. And you might feel your heart rate go up a little bit or somebody – you look out the corner of your eye and you see them coming. You've got to let your heart and mind know I'm okay, right? And you've got to do that work.
0: Mm. Well, we talked about community, accountability, friendships, and this one I'm sure you, you've taken a lot of calls about. This is the leader who knows how to lead people. They know how to get the results, but they don't know how to have a friend.
1: Man, that's me, right? that's Honestly, that's me. I'm an awkward guy. I like weird things. I've got an eclectic mix of things that I love. And I struggle with trusting people, right? It's just a hard thing for me. And so it was about five or maybe ten years ago I realized – there's no like Swipe Right app for 35 or 40-year-old dudes. Like, hey, man. I, Someone make an app for that. I like the Astros. and I don't want to talk. I like not real expensive beer, but not cheap. Like, I, I, There's no, I wear, I still like my cargo shorts. That's true. But my shirts don't fit good. I There's no app for that, right? And you want to come over and just not talk and then just go home. That doesn't exist, right? So I had to look at the science and look at, the mess that was the world around me that I'd created and say, man, I got to learn how to have friends. And that sounds stupid. Cause we all think you just learn how to have friends. Look at your kids. You just put them in a room. And they just go, but they don't know about judgment. They don't know about what they can and can't do. They don't know about I'm supposed to, they just go play, man. And so I had to learn as an adult, dude, I'm a person of value. Yes, I'm weird, but so is everybody else. And I'm going to go hang out. And sometimes it's weird and awkward. And that's fine. I had to have people over to my house, dude, and say, Hey, I know this is going to be super weird, but I'm asking you to be my friend. I want to be your friend. And they were like, this is now weird, dude. You just took your weird to a whole new level. But, and I say, that means I'm going to show up in the middle of the night. If you ever need something, holler at me. I'm going to show up to your kid's game. I'm not some weird stalker. I just want your kid to know that if you're not around or if something goes on, I'm a safe person they can call. And I'm going to invite you to my kid's games. You don't have to come, but I'd love you to be there. It was just these awkward conversations. And, dude, it was transformational. I'd forward a podcast to a buddy and say, hey, I want you to listen to this, and we're going to go hiking, and I, know, I just want to talk to you about it. He listened to it, man. Or he said, oh, no, it's not a stupid thing. But let's go hiking anyway, right? So there's just – got to put yourself out there, and it's awkward, and you get – feels like you're getting cut from your junior high team sometimes when someone's yeah. like, Yeah, I don't want to hang out with you. So important, man.
0: Yeah, especially for the men out there. I, I think they have a real hard time creating deep friendships yeah. and getting to that level it's where they, they can be
1: socialization, vulnerable. man. It's just so dumb. We've got to get over – dude – it's the, you may have talked about on this podcast, the diseases of despair. We're literally dying. We are literally dying. I, I read a remarkable book by Thomas Joyner. He's a researcher out of Florida State. It's called Lonely at the Top. He just says, if you look across the world, in every single culture, men have most of the leadership roles, most of the money, and they lead earth in strokes, heart attacks, cancers. They lead earth in everything. They, there's a cost to winning, and it's dying young right yeah and so stepping back and saying what are we trying to do here man and um a lot of that starts with friendship with getting connected with other people
0: when you talk about how winning won't make you well and i feel like that that's very connected to this burnout
1: but you can be well and win right so it works the other way i'm not saying yeah you shouldn't be ambitious and you shouldn't want to buy your neighbor's company or buy your neighbor i want to buy my i hope they're not listening to this i hope to buy their land too right they're definitely not listening yeah yeah, i hope not um I'm going to get a, like, a, like an offer in the mail. It's going to be triple what it's worth. <laughs> I'd like to do that, right? So I'm an ambitious guy. I want to do things. But I know that buying my neighbor's field is not going to make me feel better about myself. It's not going to help my marriage get better. It's not going to help me be a better dad. i got to do those things first, and that will inform my ability to go out and do these other things long term, right? Dave says it all the time. Dave Ramsey, your boss, says – Did I reread that stupid book every year? And the tortoise always wins, man. And so it's just knowing I got to take care of this stuff so that I can take care of this stuff, not in spite of, right?
0: Yeah. So to recap here, uh, we've got some themes. Obviously, winning won't make you well. Hose off your boots. Friends are the emergency fund for your life. Any other advice that can help the business leaders out there avoid or recover from this burnout? Absolutely.
1: Burnout is not a thought problem. It's a physical issue, right? So if you find yourself in a situation in a day, which most of us do, that, man, our alarms got set off. You were in a traffic jam, and you just were squeezing that, that steering wheel tighter and tighter. Your kid calls you, and you just get off the rails. Your spouse says something to you that sets you off. You're in a couple of hard meetings during the day, and then a client of yours says, hey, I'm thinking about putting this back out to bid, even though they promised you they weren't, Right. You have a physiological toll. You've entered a process. You've got to complete that cycle, right? You've got to go move and be with people and eat right and sleep and go do something creative and go watch a funny movie. You've entered a process whether you want to or not. You can choose to not complete that cycle, and you will pay a physical toll, right? You'll pay a price for it, or you can go do it. You're not going to feel suddenly magically better, but your body says, cool, George is back in control now. I'm going to shut the alarms off because you're good. And you're still going to be pissed off. You're still going to be angry. You're still going to be frustrated. But you're not going to be burning a hole through your pipes. right? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, John, thanks for taking some time today to help our listeners avoid and recover from that burnout. And thank you for the work you do every day on the Dr. John Deloney Show, helping people be well and be whole.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate you letting me hang out with you and the Entree Crew.
0: As John talked about, your body is always keeping score. You can pretend the aches and pains aren't happening, but if you don't deal with them, it can really mess you up. So what can you do if you're experiencing physical symptoms of burnout? We'll have a conversation about that right after this. Hey, your small
2: business has a lot of the same challenges that mega corporations do, but without a huge finance team to solve them. I mean, who has time to juggle different apps and programs to manage your cash flow? Well, that's where Found comes in. It's business banking plus easy-to-use financial tools all to simplify small business finances. Found has all the features you want in a business bank account and none of the stuff you don't. No minimum balance, no opening deposit, and no hidden fees. You can sign up for Found in just minutes. It's easy to access on desktop or mobile, and you can customize your account to organize and manage your funds. Plus, you can create and send free invoices right from the app so you can get paid quickly and easily. It's time to move on to better business banking, designed to help small business owners succeed. It's time for Found. Get started today for free at found.com slash entree. That's found.com slash entree. Found is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services are provided by Piermont Bank, member FDIC.
0: Our second interview is with Luke Lefevre, who's our chief creative officer here at Ramsey Solutions. We talked about how he experienced some physical symptoms of burnout years ago. His body was telling him, stop doing what you're doing.
4: It was 2010, and my wife and I had been down here in Nashville for about a year and a half, I th- think. I'm, I'm going to mess up my timeline. But we had been down here, we moved away from everybody we knew up in Illinois come down here, starting a new job, leave everybody we know. And then you're kind of, you're just with, just with your wife. And we had a little kid at the time, two and a half. She was pregnant with our, our second. She had just had our second actually. And um, new job, new place. And we kind of started to struggle at home. So I was stressed at work and it was, it's hard, it's hard work here. You know, we're, we're, we're working it's a lot. It's pushing myself. Um, and then at home, we were struggling too. And uh, I was at work sitting at, sitting at my desk doing uh, – I was a designer at the time doing some work. And my, and my friend, Tim Newton, he's been on here before. He's sitting across from me and I look over at him and I'm like, hey, is, is something happening on my face? Because I just felt – it felt like tingly or something. <laughs> And uh, he looks at me, and he kind of goes, goo! <laughs> just <laughs> frightened by yeah. you. And I'm like, oh, no. And he and so I get up, and I go to the, in the bathroom. I look in the mirror, and my top lip has started to swell up. Um, and it, it was bad, but it wasn't that bad. But it was definitely noticeable. And I didn't know what was going on. I was like, did I eat a bad jalapeno at lunch You're or something? like an allergic like, no reaction? Idea. Like, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, I don't know what's happening. And it was it was like 3.30 in the afternoon. So... I was like, will you take me over to the walk-in Cause in case my throat starts swelling up? you know, yeah, I didn't know what was going to happen. So we go over to this walk-in clinic, and you know, they, they don't know what's happening either. So they give me this EpiPen. They're like, I don't know. If your throat starts swelling, stab your leg. And I'm like, oh, okay.
0: Didn't know that was how they <laughs> yeah, do it.
4: I don't know. They probably were more uh, <laughs> professional <laughs> than that. <laughs> but, um, and so I just go home, and I'm like, well, look at my face. And over the course of 24 hours, it kind of goes away. And I'm just like, what the heck was that? I go back to work, go back to doing the things that I do, um, uh, didn't stop doing what I was doing and just kind of went back to it and was like, well, that must have just been some bad food or, or something. I don't, I don't know. You
0: did not connect it to anything you were doing at work. Not you at, thought it was just like point. a dietary thing. Yeah.
4: And I didn't connect it to anything going on in my life. It was just, what was that? A couple weeks later, <clears throat> uh, it was the middle of the night. I'm sleeping. And I wake up, and it literally was like 3 in the morning, and I just feel like my face feels funny again. And so I I feel my face, and I'm like, what is happening? So I stumble out of bed. I go in the bathroom, and I flip on the light, and my bottom lip is giant swelled up. Like, have you seen Hitch? Oh, yeah. Will Smith, not his whole face, but the bottom lip was just giant, just my bottom lip, like a clown character. And I'm staring at it, and I have pictures that you're trying to convince me to put on the internet, and it's not going it to happen. Put it on the internet? It's not going to happen. Um, that I just was like, what is happening? My face swelled up. Okay. So that was um, early December, I think it was by that point. And again, I don't know what's going on. 24 hours go by, and it goes down. Well, I obviously didn't go to work that day. I'm not going to show up to work because it was, I mean, all anybody would talk you about. Would have not gone to any it work would not done have happened. It. Yeah. yeah. So it goes down again. At this point, I'm like, okay, I'm going to call an allergist. I'm going to call somebody. Um, a couple weeks go by again. It kind of goes away. Uh, I wake up Christmas morning, December 25th, 2010, and I was at uh, my wife's parents' house. We're, we're, in, we're at their house. I wake up Christmas morning, and I go into the, into the bathroom, and my entire face, my ears, my, my eyebrows, it looks like I've been in a fight was just swelled up. And I don't, I don't know what it was. And so we go through Christmas. We get back to work, back to life. And I go to an allergist. They poke me with all the things an allergy test does. And it says I'm allergic to everything. I've never been allergic to anything in my life before. Nothing. And they do these tests where they poke you with, with all the different ragweed and all this stuff. And they literally said, you're allergic to everything. And I am just going to have to go get different sheets and different curtains and all this stuff. And I'm like—
0: How have you survived up until this point?
4: Exactly. I'm like, no, this is not true. What happened over that time is my hands started to swell up. My eyelid would swell up occasionally. Um, I didn't—but I didn't really know why. But over time, I could start to see when I was really stressed, this would happen. And it's weird and embarrassing to say it, but uh, Jen uh, Severson, she's been on this podcast, and Suzanne Sims, they've been on this podcast before. And at the time, they were they were my direct leaders. And Jen would be like, "So how you doing today, Luke?" And I'd be like, "I'm totally fine," but she could tell my eyelid was like sort of swelled up for a little <gasps> bit. And they started to call it my tell, like if I was if I was stressed, <laughs> I'd be like, "No, no, I'm I'm fine." And then poof, like a puffer Your fish, face would just <laughs> explode. They, I would I would puff up and. It was so obviously annoying and embarrassing and everything. But what happened was I was driving to work one day and it happened again. That morning I woke up and my eyes swelled up. Well, I'm just wanting to go to I'm just to to go work, but I'm not going to go to work. <laughs> go to work. Like, I can't put my contacts in. I got my glasses mm-hmm. on. My eye is so swelled up. It's like touching the lens of my glasses. And I'm driving to work because uh, I was like, I'm powering through today. Like I'm not going to miss a day but i just couldn't bring myself to go in and i remember driving to the top of this hill over here in franklin and and just being like god what what is happening and i texted uh, another uh, a leader another leader of mine at the time and he told him what was happening and he just responded with man this is all connected like what you're going through in your in your life this is connected and and i'm a, a christian spiritual person i believe that the enemy doesn't want things to happen. And so he's he's attacking as well. And I I pulled up a um, journal entry from, from December 10th around that time. What it ended up being was hives. It was internal hives. And no one could ever really explain why they were happening. It was just, I don't know, my adrenaline, the stress at home. Mandy and I were working through a bunch of really hard stuff. I was stretching myself here at work in a, in a new way. And it just ended up being too much. And my body was like, yeah, like peace out. I, just I, got, an alarm I have to react. It was an alarm going off. Yeah, exactly. And um, what I started to do around that time was, uh, when I got to the top of that hill, I just said, "God, what is happening?" And I just sort of, it was like a turning point kind of a thing, and um. I drove home. I didn't end up going to work for the morning that day because I was just I didn't I didn't want to you know I didn't want to deal with everybody. Hey, oh, what's going what on? It's happening fish, again. You know? And I just didn't want to deal with it. Um, but what what got me through that was eventually I I got home and I I started um, I I was holding in a lot up to that point. I wasn't I wasn't telling Mandy the truth. I wasn't really being honest with. With people at work necessarily, it's not like I was hiding things, but I was just—I didn't was want to burden other people. Where you're like,
0: I'll, yeah. I'll, I can power through. I'll figure I can it power out. Power through. I'll deal with this. Yeah.
4: And so, I got. It was around that same time that I just um, I, I I prayed to God and I was like, I don't, I don't have anything to offer. Like, I'm at I'm at the bottom. M- me and my wife are in trouble. My face is swelling up. You know, it's like just these things are happening, and I just started to write. um, I started to write what I was actually feeling, at least to God, in these in journaling. I started writing, and God, i my face is swelling up like I'm pissed about it. Uh, what is happening? Um, and I, I I looked up a journal entry before this interview from December tenth, twenty ten, and it, it's from that day that I drove to the top of that 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 mountain mountain this Tennessee hill. It's not like a. It sounds for way, some people it might be a sounds way more epic to call it a mountain. It just says I couldn't bring myself to go in yet. I know I would just get there and just stare out the window trying to find the best way to express this. I took a beautiful drive into work today and tried to get to the top of the highest hill just to feel closer to you, God. I think I've been under uh, the worst spiritual attack of my life and Mandy and I are becoming what God wants us to be and the enemy's not happy about it. The stress over the last two weeks has been incredible and I think that's what the hives and the swelling are coming from. And... I'm in. You know, I won't read you the rest of it. It's too personal. But um, it was just like, it was like, all of this is is coming. Like, something is happening. Like, I just started to acknowledge that I am stressed. Something has to change. And that's kind of the beginning of that face-swelling story, yeah.
0: Wow. So telling, to, telling the truth to yourself uh, seems to be <clears throat> the life hack here. <laughs> well. And praying and journaling and resting, I imagine. I mean, did you take any time off to go, I got to— I got to stop going so I don't
4: remember taking time off, but I do remember setting aside time in the morning. And it it wasn't telling the truth to myself. It was telling the truth to God. And just I woke up and said, God, I'm frustrated with this today. Here's what's going on. And I just started to tell the truth of what I was actually feeling. Um, And I didn't take days off. I took an hour in the morning where the kids weren't up yet. I didn't have the pressures of the day. And it was just for me to um, have some Luke time and for me with God. But I, I think that um, it's important whether you're a believer or not to have that time to figure out what you think about today before anybody else tells you what to think about the day. And um, that writing out what was actually going on in my head and my heart and giving that to God was one of the things that, that helped this start to go away because it did. Over the course of the next months, um, because when I went to the doctor, they gave me steroids. They gave me all this stuff. None of it helped. Just over time, continuing to work through, tell the truth, journal out what was actually going on in my heart. This stuff has gone away. It doesn't happen anymore. Um, Sometimes I can feel a little tingle in my eyelid, and I'm like, oh, maybe this is it. And then nothing happens. But Wow. um, Yeah.
0: So it's been over a decade since then. Yeah. What are the kind of the practical tools you use to now recognize those warning signs? Where you are going? Hey, I'm headed to this territory. Yeah. Let's not do that. Um, has that happened more recently?
4: Yeah, um, this week actually. Uh, today's Friday. We're recording this. You probably don't want me to say that because it's whatever. But it's
0: fine. We're this peak behind the curtain. Yeah, it's sometimes Friday. We record on this. Fridays.
4: <laughs> and this week was like a really intense week. Um, I had I had a vacation last week, and it was out, and we went to Florida, and it was awesome. And then come back to work. And it's I had a bunch of stuff scheduled that I had to be ready for. And there was something uh yeah, something decent sized every day of the week that I had to be on for and prepare for. And it's I kind of looming in it, your yeah. day. And by yesterday morning, most of it had happened. And so about eleven thirty, most of it had happened. And I started to get a headache. And I think it was because it was just adrenaline high all week and I got through all the things I needed to get through. And I felt just really really exhausted at about it was like 2 or 3 o'clock uh maybe it was wednesday i just felt really exhausted and my head was hurting and i'm staring at the computer still and i was like i cannot look at this screen anymore right now i got to get up i'm going to go for a walk i was actually looking for a a dark room to just close my eyes for like 45 minutes cuz my head hurt bad and i had something else to do at 4 that day so i couldn't just leave and so I was walking around and I just had to get away and walk. And in this particular case, I walked around our new building and I saw Alex. He's one of our creative directors and I just said, Hey man, how's it going? And he he starts talking, he's like, How you doing? And I'm like, Well, actually, I have a headache and I just needed to get up, get away from my desk and and walk around. And we started talking about deep sea fishing and we just got into this other kind of conversation. Um, and then I walked around somebody else and they could tell my head hurt by my face. And he was like, what's going on? I'm like, I just got a headache. And I, I was just telling the truth. I wasn't trying to be like, I'm tough and everything's yeah. fine. Everything's great. But over the course of having those conversations, by the time five 30 hit, I saw, um, the person who said, asked me if I had a headache and he, he points to his head and he's like, how's your head? And I was like, Oh man, it's actually, it's actually gone. I got up, I walked around, I had some conversations um I got with some other people I took some Advil that helped too so let's not medicine let's, is let's not be total I'm not saying I'm against that but it just got me out of the element I was in and having a conversation with people talking I told the truth of what was happening and it just sort of starts to release it you know mm-hmm. um but it, it happened this week you know it was just I can feel it today being Friday I'm like man I'm, I'm ready to turn off the motor for a day uh, you know, or two here on the weekend. And so I, I've known people that go through their whole week and they are on from early morning till 5, 6 at night, maybe later. And then on the weekends they have a side gig and they're on morning to – well, I'm just doing the morning on Saturday. And they, and they just keep going and you just keep pounding – pounding the, the adrenaline, pounding the work and, uh, and proving yourself. And it's like, dude, no, um, you got to slow down. You have to. Like somebody asked if I have big plans for this weekend. I'm like, no, like I want to work in the yard, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like I think doing something that's the opposite of what you do all the week. Like some people might be outside all week and they want to work on a computer on the weekend. That's great. But you have to give give yourself real rest and figure out what rest means to you. And for me, that's, I'm just around people all the time so the weekend is is a nice time to turn some of that off.
0: Yeah. So. And I, I think for the business owners out there, you know, some of them they aren't even working 40-hour weeks. They're doing 50, yeah, 60. Exactly. I mean, they're on exactly. all the time, yeah. you know, and so I think it's hard especially for them to to turn that off yeah. and find that rest yeah. and really take that get that moment of peace where they go, oh, I got to wake up an extra yeah. hour early yeah. and do this quiet time or sit or read or do those things, but another what you're thing you're talking about is what are those things that energize you? Yeah, and for some people, it's having a great conversation. Yep. Sometimes I'm so tired, yeah, and I'll find a person and we'll have yep. a great conversation, and I'm like, I'm awake, I'm energized. Now. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't physically yeah. tired. I was just mentally yeah. exhausted, and so finding those things that do energize you, like you're talking yeah. about, for some people just being out in the yard can be one of the most peaceful, most energizing, restful things you can do. So for the business owner that's out there going, okay, Luke, what are some practical things I can go do this weekend, this upcoming week to avoid that burnout, to start to recover if I'm in it now or to avoid it in the future?
4: Yeah. Learn about yourself. So um, I'm sitting here, my assistant Molly was like, she could tell I was I was just very exhausted yesterday, and she's like, "Well, you have that entree leadership interview thing tomorrow. You know, should we move it?" And I was like, "No that that brings me energy. Like, I know that about myself that having this conversation will give me energy, and and that's a good thing. And so learn learn yourself. Um, I know I'm being sort of contradictory. I love conversations, and then I like to be alone too. And so uh, that's that's one thing. Figure out yourself, and then do those things that." Um, whether it's being with people that gives you energy, or it's being alone that gives you energy. The other thing is, and it's it's really hard, but um, turning like the reason I can turn off on the weekend is because the the email isn't poking me in the eye all the time. I turn off the notifications, and luckily. Uh, not luckily, intentionally, we've created a culture here that it pretty much shuts off a lot of the emails on the weekend and in the evenings. But if you're the leader, if you're the runner of said business, you can start to create the the habit for your team that when they email you at 7.30 p.m. or they email you on a Saturday at 11, if you immediately respond – what you're doing is you're training everybody that that is the way you want to live, that that is the way you want your business to run. You're setting the tone. You're setting the tone. And I know you want, it, you want them to see you hardworking. And yeah, of course, you want to be a hard worker. But if you respond quickly, they're going to say, oh, that's how this is. So start to change the habit of when you respond to people. And if they send it at 7 and you just don't respond to the morning, they'll start to get that expectation, and then you can start to say it and be like, "Hey, if you you're probably not going to get a response from me in the evenings because I'm I'm with my family, I'm trying to refresh," and I know that's even harder when you have outside clients who have a different expectation uh, if you're serving them as their business, but you can work it in to start to be the habit and the tone of if you're immediately responding all the time at these weird hours of the of the day, they're going to be like. They're just going to keep asking. I yeah. mean, it's it's if they do that, it was like a what movie were we were watching? Oh, Storks! I was watching Storks with the kids over the weekend, and there's this. The parents in this movie are realtors, and they say, "We never stop. We never stop. We'll answer your phone call on Christmas." And you <laughs> oh know, they're missing their kid, and they're being sarcastic in this movie, but start to set the pattern of
0: get those boundaries in place. Boundaries up, yeah. yeah.
4: And um, that's that's
0: Dave what Ramsey to did mind. this. I mean, I remember he him saying hey, I'm emailing the team because he's just firing off emails mm-hmm. left and right. And he might be working on a Saturday because he just wants to get catch up with yeah. some emails for fun. Yeah. And he started scheduling the That's emails right. to fire on Monday morning. Yeah. But he'd be sitting there writing them on Saturday and right. he found out there's a scheduling feature. Yeah. But using that really set the tone for the team that, oh my gosh, Dave's emailing on Saturday. I got to respond ASAP. Uh, and it helped create those boundaries. Yep. So yep. Um, definitely understanding yourself, yep. setting those boundaries in your life when it comes to you know the work-life balance, which... Yeah. We, we've got Christy Wright on talking about that yeah. all the time. And are there any other practical things? Let's say it's not you, but it's your team. Mm-hmm. How do you avoid someone on your team experiencing burnout? Because you lead a huge team, and I'm sure this stuff floats up to you. where you go, hey, this person's struggling over here. I don't know if they're on the edge of a burnout, but they're not, they're not doing well. What does that conversation look like that a leader can have with a team member? Yeah.
4: What I've found also is that it is up to the team member. So we can – I'll tell you what I I would say to them here in a second, but ultimately me as the leader, they're still a grown-up human, and I can tell them to stop and I can tell them to turn this off and let's cancel these three to five things and let's move this. But if they don't internalize that and say, no, I have to do this for myself, my own sanity, then it won't work. I've done it. I've been the leader who said, well, let's knock these out and let's stop doing this. But if they don't actually do it, even though their leader, their boss is saying, you don't have to, there's just this internal drive that they can't stop. That's where it's like, hey, go see a counselor, work that through. What are you you trying to prove? What are you striving for uh, that they need to figure out? Now, if I am talking to my team member and they're on the verge of burnout, you as a leader have to just listen to them. And they'll be telling hey, I'm I'm doing this, I'm doing that. What I've done a couple times is I just get a piece of paper out, like a blank piece of paper. I don't try to be distracted. I'm just looking at it. i like, let's just write down all the things going on. And so um, it's, well, I've got this squad that's doing this, and I got this team that's doing this. And I'm just writing it down in front of them. And write down – and it ends up being nine or ten things. And I'm like, all right um, – which one is the most important. And then they're usually like, oh, well, yeah. And then also there's this, this, and they just keep adding to the list. All right, let's pick the three that only you can do. And so we'll kind of mark those one, two, three. All right. Who might could take this one? Well, there's nobody, you know, that's, there's nobody that can take this one. All right. Okay. How about this one? Well, I could do that, but they're going to screw it up. The the other person going to screw that. Oh, okay. So I just kind of keep track of those things. And then by the time you'll get to a few that are down on the bottom of the list, and I'm like, all right, do you have to worry about that now? Or can we push that off for a couple weeks? What I'm trying to do is just focus their brain a little bit just on two or three things. And then you can just say, hey, I don't want you to worry about below the list for the rest of this week. Let's connect Monday. Let's see how you did on this, this, and this. And let's take one step of action because oftentimes in those top three things, they're kind of floaty things where they need to have a conversation with somebody else and they need to do this thing with somebody else and that person's not responding or, 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 and it's like, okay, let's find one, one thing that can move you in the right direction with each of these top three things. So, all right, for this first one, you're stressed about um, so-and-so not getting back to you. Let's go find him today. Find him today. Tell him what you're worried about. Tell him your concerns. The next one, all right, let's take one small step in that direction. And all you're doing is helping them take a giant cloud of stuff that is weighing on them and giving them a single step. It's just like Dave and the Baby Steps. Yeah. There's a giant cloud of stress and debt and, 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 and we're just saying $1,000. We're just getting you down here, get a $1,000. And what that does is it just starts to clarify and take this giant cloud of chaos and give it some give it some focus. Yeah, just so. distill it all down. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really good.
0: Yeah. So, the leaders, the team members. Let's say uh, the leaders out there, and they're going, "Hey, Luke, this all sounds good, but I'm going to get back to work on face. Monday, <laughs> and it's just going to be the same chaos, the same struggle." What encouragement would you give to that? The leader listening who goes, "Look, I want I want to avoid burnout. No one wants to go there. Um, what do I need to do? Maybe it's not practical, but maybe it's just a mindset." that they need to go into their week with. Just give them some encouragement. Mm.
4: You're doing a good job out there. So you're either driving right now or you're sitting at your computer and there's 27 emails in your box waiting for your response and you feel like you're not doing a good job leading Susie and, and John's got this other problem and your new team member's on his phone all the time. You're doing a good job. Keep showing up tomorrow, even in what feels like a wilderness. Come back tomorrow and keep trying. My daughter learned to play the guitar over this last few years, and when she first started playing, she'd put her fingers on these steel strings that are rigid, and she'd push down hard, and it hurt. She would say, Dad, how am I supposed to learn this? It hurts, and it would leave these red lines across her tips of her fingers. But she just showed up again the next day, practiced a few more notes, and she did that for a month and two months and six months and a year and another year. And this is three or four years later, and just uh, last night she goes, Dad, feel my fingers. And I rub my fingers off across the edge of them, and they're tough. And she can play that guitar, and that's what you're doing here. You're learning to play the guitar. You're building the right calluses, so you're doing a good job, build the boundaries because you can't practice the guitar all the time or you will be bleeding all the time. You have to stop and let the callus form. And the way that happens is when you're not playing, they have to heal to form that callus. And so set the boundaries. You get back on Monday, decide a time Monday night where you're going to be done for that day and turn it off at 6 or 5.30 or whatever is the right thing. Pick a day and just choose a small boundary to hold for yourself. That's what I would say. And if you hear nothing else, you're doing a good job and come back tomorrow.
0: I love that. Well, Luke, so much good stuff here from praying to journaling to processing to resting to delegating to boundaries. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I know it's going to help the listeners out there uh, avoid that burnout and continue to do the work that we need them to do.
4: It's an honor to be here.
0: Some great tips there from Luke Lefevre on avoiding burnout. And as John said earlier in this episode, delegation is key to avoiding burnout. And if you don't feel like you can trust your team enough to delegate to them, then he said fire them and hire people you can actually trust. And while he was probably half joking, hiring and firing is always going to be part of running a business. So you might as well use our 12 steps to a good hire that we outlined in the Entree Leader's Guide to Hiring. To get this free guide, text the phrase ELHIRE to 33444. Again, text ELHIRE, no spaces, to 33444 or click the link in the show notes. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the show. If you did, leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. If you're a small business owner with two to 200 team members, we'd love to hear your feedback on the show and ask you a few questions. Click the link in the show notes to fill out a brief survey to schedule a call with Tim, our producer. You can follow us on social media at Entree Leadership. This episode was produced by Tim Holt, edited by Jacob Harrison, and mixed and mastered by Will Rudder. I'm your host, George Camel, and on behalf of the entire Entree Leadership team, thanks for listening. Until next time, keep learning and keep leading.